0: Acts chapter 10, as we start, I'm going to read just a section of it, and then we'll, we'll go into some notes, and then I'll begin the, the mass reading of this story. Listen to what it says in 10. At Caesarea, in verse 1, at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what, of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. Let's stop right there for just a moment. Let's see if we can go three for three. You say, what are you talking about? Well, I told you that I was going to bring about a lot of different verses. And last week we looked at Acts 2 and Acts 8. I told you that I was going to be talking about Acts 10 and also Acts 19. We're not going to get to 19 today to those 12 believers, but we are going to talk about Acts, uh, not Acts 19, but Acts 10 and 11 and also 15. And we're just going to key in on the Gentiles. And so please, please pay attention and see if we can go three for three today. Went to the Jews and obviously to Judea, Samaria... Now let's look at it going to the far off. Let's see the gospel going to the far off. Jesus Christ gave this prophecy in in the end before He ascended, didn't He? Jesus Christ gave a prophecy. What was it? You will be My disciples. Where? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. This was a great commission, the great commission, and this is very important. Christ Jesus didn't just say words just to say them. Everything that He did and everything that He said was very full of purpose. There was meaning behind it. This is really important that we understand this. You see it going to Judea and, or Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria in the last text that we were in, and now we're going to the far off. We're going to the uttermost parts of the world. So the apostles so far have been witnesses in the. (laughs) Ellen got me on that one, did something up there. Okay, y'all caught me off guard there. So the apostles so far have been witnesses in these three places or two places because Jerusalem and Judea were kind of the same. Uh, they went hand in hand with one another. And then Samaria. And now uh, we're going to look at it going to those that were far off. What Ephesians 2 talks about. Jesus, Jesus said this concerning Gentiles. You will be my witnesses to the far off. To the end of the earth. Those of the far off, to the four corners of the world. As a matter of fact, in our text we're going to see where those four corners are even brought up at. In the sheet that was lowered down in Peter's vision. And concerning Gentiles, of which we were all once... Everybody in agreement with that? Is there anybody a natural Jew in here? I don't think so, right? We're all Gentiles, right? So this passage has everything to do with you today. Everything. Here we are. We're coming into where the gospel came to us. So you should pay attention how this took place. But they were to be witnesses to the four corners of the globe. I want us to understand something. We were all, if we have been saved, we were all at one time far off. Far off. In a hole, in, in, in sin, in a pit somewhere, far off. But I want us to see that there is not a mountain... That the love of Jesus cannot go over. There is not a hole that he will not go to find you. There is not a pit or a cave or an ocean that he will not cross, climb through, go into, go to the bottom of, to get out one of his sheep. Do we understand that? So what is taking place in this text is not a coincidence. Peter just doesn't happen happenstance to just find himself at Cornelius' house. None of that stuff is true. What is true is that this is set in order for it to come to pass. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. Gentiles. This is your story. This is my story. If you have been saved by the grace of God, it starts right here with us, where it went to Cornelius and those that were Gentiles. Everybody follow. We were like Rahab, Gentile, behind the big wall, or Ruth. We were like Ruth way out there in Moab, serving our pagan gods. But God, according to Ephesians 2. And let's read that once again because I love that passage. And I, I read it earlier so we could get a kind of a gist of what we were looking at. But let's read it again. Ephesians 2, 11, beginning in 11. I told you I've got a lot to go through, and I'm going to. 11 through 22, I want you to listen to what it says. Those that were far, far off are now being brought close. And I love this. I absolutely love it. One in Christ. Therefore, remember that at one time, Ephesians 2.11 That at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision, but what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's a scary, scary place to be. That is a place that I don't want to ever go back to. And praise God by His grace, I can't ever go back to there. Amen? Amen? This is a place that is, it is it is scary. We have been alienated. We have We are away from the covenants. We are away from the promises. We have no hope. We're in a wicked world without God outside of His grace. But now in Christ Jesus... You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. How near are we talking about? What is he showing to us? How near are we seeing? Are are we brought close to Christ? Let me tell you how near. You remember John the Beloved at the Last Supper? The scripture teaches us that he was doing what? He was laid back on the chest of Christ, wasn't he? He was the youngest in the group, and he was sitting there with Christ because he was the youngest, and that was tradition. But he was laid back as if to say, you're propping me up, Christ. This is how close we have been brought to the Lord. This is how close that we have been brought. The middle wall of partition has been taken down, and I praise God today... That the message of Jesus Christ went to the Gentiles. Every one of y'all should be amening that. 14, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh. The perfect flesh of Christ, the one that took everything upon himself. He in his flesh that was tore on the cross. His blood was spilt, broken down in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. That hatred and that enmity between the Jew and the Gentile, it is now gone. It is made obsolete by the blood of Christ. Obsolete. And in Acts chapter 10, we see, we see that going to the Gentiles. It was for the Jew. Then the Jews slash. Gentile, and then the Gentile. Praise God for that today. Listen to what it says. Go to verse 16. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off, and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. You notice that we start there with Christ Jesus being the cornerstone, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. You see the apostles and the prophets there and it is so important that we understand that because this is the order that we have. The church was not built upon Peter. It was built upon Christ and then Peter came along and he began to preach and all the work that he did was then added to it. Jesus Christ being himself the chief cornerstone laying out the pattern and the dimensions for the body of Christ. and It had to be like that, always to be like that. Verse 22, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Let's go back to chapter 10 in the book of Acts. So we see that we've been brought close. We've been brought nigh by the blood of Christ. We've been brought to his side to rest upon him like John the Beloved. So let's see the gospel go out and fulfill the words of Christ. As we look at Acts 10, Acts 11, Acts 15, you say, Pastor, that's three chapters. It is three chapters, but luckily I'm not going to read all the verses in those three chapters. Let me ask you a question. As the gospel goes to the Gentiles, do we really think, given Peter's history... Do we really think that Jesus would leave him alone to accomplish this goal by himself? (laughs) Absolutely not. Absolutely not. we got to remember who we're talking about here. We're talking about Simon Peter, the fisherman. Even though the Lord was doing great things in him, he was constantly relying on the Lord to work through him. And that's the whole purpose of Acts, is Jesus Christ in the Spirit working through the apostles. And so here we have this setup, this meeting that's fixing to take place, and it was not by Peter's will. It just wasn't. We have to understand what's happening. Truth is, Peter would be instructed once again by the Lord in detail what to do. Peter didn't put this together. The Lord put this meeting between Peter and Cornelius together. So we see even when the, when the Word of God and the Gospel is going to the Gentiles, it wasn't by happenstance. No, not at all. Not at all by happenstance. Not at all by just some, some whimsical notion for Peter to go out and say, oh, I'm going to get to this one and get to that one. No, Peter was out there and the Lord came to Peter and said, this is what's going to take place. This is what's going to happen. And then it happened. It happened. We have to understand that. If our Lord didn't do the work on our behalf, we would be useless. We would be hopeless. And we would still be dead in our sins. Everybody in agreement with that? It's the truth. Acts chapter 10, listen to what it says. I got a lot to read in 10, so just let me read and I'll stop when I need to stop. Here's where the gospel goes to the Gentiles. Very important passage. Remember, we're talking about tongues. We're talking about healings and gifts and all of these different things. And if it happened in Acts 2 and Acts 8, wouldn't we expect it to happen in Acts 10? Well, yeah, matter of fact, it does. And so we're going to explain that. Listen to what it says, Acts 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. A centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. Now he was probably Italian or Roman, but he he was over a hundred that was of the Italian cohort. He was a centurion, he was over them, he was was a devout man who feared God with all of his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. Verse 3, about the ninth hour of the day he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, what's happening here, guys? The Lord is plowing the ground. The Lord is preparing his heart. The Lord is working in this man's life. There is no way that we cannot see that in this passage. No way. Just as Rahab's heart was prepared to receive the two messengers that came to her, here, this man was being prepared. By the Lord, and what's so neat about this is that the Lord here sends Peter to take the cuffs off of him, if you will, and to show him life everlasting. About the ninth hour, verse 3, of the day he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended As a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. What's happening in the text? The angel is giving Cornelius specific instructions. He says, go. And there's this man there. And so he, sent, he sends uh, the two messengers with one soldier to go get Peter. Peter was staying at a man's house uh, that was a, somebody who, who tanned things by the sea. He says, Peter's going to be there. You're going to bring him back to you. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happens three times and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. What's the purpose of the sheet? The purpose of the sheet is showing, we see that it's four corners. It's it's a sheet representing the four corners of the globe. It's going out to all the earth. Now you're able to eat all things, but not just that. But your mission, Peter, and what you're called to do is going to be to send this out to the world, to the Gentiles. Listen to what it says. Where am I at? 17. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, which he's fixing to figure out what it means, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. So here these men come up. Cornelius sent these men, the two and the soldier. They're standing at the gate at Simon's house and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. You see how do you see how, how the spirit is leading Peter in everything that he does? Everything. Step by step he is leading this apostle. Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Peter obeys in verse 21, and Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to this house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be His guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. This is where Cornelius was at, and Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Cornelius, this wise man, this just man, what had he done? He was a faithful minister, not only ministering to the Lord and and blessing the Lord and and giving alms, but look, he he brought his whole family into this and his close friends. Cornelius was expecting them. He knew that they would come back. The Lord had spoke to him. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted, lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me by the sheet that was let down over earlier... But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean, speaking of the Gentiles. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, why you sent for me? And Cornelius said, here he sticks and tell the story of what happened over at the beginning of the chapter. Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon and Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord." So here we have, and I know this is a long text, guys, but there's no other way to break it down. Here we have Simon Peter, and he is before with the men that he had with him. And he is before Cornelius, his relatives, his friends. And Cornelius is ready and waiting to receive from Simon Peter this news. 34. Beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country, of the Jews, and in Jerusalem. Who were witnesses? Peter and those that he had with him. This is important because they are bearing testimony of what happened. It's also important because they're going to bear testimony again to what happened when they were at Caesarea. We are witnesses of all that He did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put Him to death by hanging Him on a tree, but God raised Him on the third day and made Him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses. Who's he talking about? The apostles. Who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and of the dead. To him, to him who? To Jesus. All the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. Verse 44. Here's the text. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. The Holy Spirit fell. Just like it did in Acts 2. Just like it did in Acts chapter 8. Now here in Acts chapter 10, the Holy Spirit is falling on... ...on these Gentiles. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. Those that had come with Peter, they were amazed. Why were they amazed? Because they could see what was taking place. They could actually see that these people were speaking in tongues. Listen to what it says, just like it did in chapter 8. Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speak in tongues, just like in 8, just like in 2, and extolling God. What were they hearing? They were hearing them speak in other languages, right? Or they were hearing them do this, just like they did in 2 and just like they did in 8. And then Peter says this, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? You notice what he says at the end. Who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Peter is telling them that the men that are with him, there is no difference than the way that we received it, than the way that the Gentiles received it, and the way that the people from Samaria received it. It's the same. These are not gibberish tongues and babbling that nobody understands. No, not at all. Not at all. They all bear witness to this. They understood what they were saying. It says that they heard them extolling God. That's not confusion. That's not not understanding something. That is understanding fully what's being said. Do we understand that? They're understanding fully what was being said. Pay attention now. I want you to stay with me. Chapter 11. Listen to what it says. Now the apostles and the brothers... So the the gospel comes to the Gentiles and the people believe the Holy Spirit fall on them. They show that through speaking in tongues and in different languages. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began to explain it to them in order. Here we have this sequence of events that's laid out yet again. It was told to Cornelius. It was laid out to Simon Peter. Then Cornelius told it to Simon Peter. And now Simon Peter is here laying it back out to the church. Why is the story being told over and over and over and over? Because it's important. And the reason why it's important is because it's going to the Gentiles. And they had to make sure and authenticate that this was right. Seven witnesses there. Three times this story is shared about this incident. We shouldn't get it wrong. Verse 5, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision. Something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals, beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent to me, sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me. Remember, there were seven, including Peter, seven witnesses. And we entered the man's house, and he told us, I had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Dropa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He goes back over this. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, and you and all your household. As I begin to speak, 15, as I begin to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them. Listen to what it says, and I want you to get a pen out, and I want you to mark this, because I want us to understand when we are confronted with these issues in our society, that speaking as tongues is babbling, that it's a holy prayer language, I want us to go back to these verses and say, wait a second, no, it's not. It was used to communicate the gospel message to the four corners of the globe. These are important verses and you need to mark them down. Listen to verse 15. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. What's he saying? The same way it fell on us when we was in the upper room on the day of what? Pentecost. I have yet to come across babbling tongues that nobody understands. Have y'all? We're in the 11th chapter in Acts. You would think that it's all the way to the Gentiles now that we would come across that if it was in the Scripture and if it was important for us. But not yet. Listen to what it says. Just as on us at the beginning, and I remembered the word of the Lord, how He said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, you want to mark? If then God gave the same gift, if God gave the same gift to them as He gave to us, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you see that? To them as He gave to us, the same gift to them as He gave to us. What's He doing? He's showing that there's not a difference between Jew and Gentile. That the gospel has went to both. Both. When we believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I that I could stand in God's way? He says, who was I to question God? If it goes to the Jew, if it goes to the Gentile, they had the same gift that we have. Who am I to question God? Who am I to stand in God's way and in God's work to, to get involved and get, get in the way of that? Verse 18 When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Flip over to chapter 15. You say, why are you giving me so many passages of Scripture? Because I'm showing you that I'm not cherry-picking scriptures. I'm showing you that the God, God's Word is full. God's Word is full of evidence that the speaking in tongues done then was what we know it to be now. What we preach and teach here at Grace. That Peter stood up and spoke his language and they heard them in their own language. That was speaking in tongues. And that's, in fact, what was taking place, what happened. Listen to what it says, Acts 15, 7 through 9. Here we are among the the Pharisees and the law of Moses, talking about the law of Moses and the elders were gathered together, and they're, they're debating again. They're debating again, Acts 15, 7 through 9. Listen to what it says. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Verse 8, And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as He did to us. And He made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. By giving them the Holy Spirit, just as He did to us. What can we conclude by all of these passages of Scripture? What can we see? What what is going on? First, First, just like last week, tongues were actually languages. Actually languages. It wasn't some crazy euphoric babbling that nobody could understand. As we see in so many movements across the globe today that has infiltrated the Churches. Tongues were actually languages. We know how that came to be concerning Acts chapter 2. Second, that it was used, what was used? Tongues. For the furtherance of the gospel. This is what we learned last week. It was used for the furtherance of the gospel. So the gospel could spread. It was a reversal of what happened at Genesis chapter 11 at the Tower of Babel. The Gentiles had the gift so that they could speak to other nations. They were going to spread this out. Third, the apostles were there for this monumental occasion. When the Gentiles, the far off, when the far off received the gospel and were saved, they report back with news that the gospel has spread. So with all this, So with all this taking place, tongues are still languages and not gibberish. Fourth and finally, we really see that it was never really about tongues. Yes, tongues then were important for the furtherance of the gospel... but it was rather about the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is what the tongues were speaking about. In each instance, you hear them extolling God. In each instance, you hear them worshiping God, magnifying God, sharing the gospel, speaking of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is what the tongue was doing. This was the purpose. Remember when Peter went back to Jerusalem in chapter 11 and 18, the men in the church didn't rejoice and say, Hallelujah, they spoke in tongues. Did they? The men in the early church didn't say that. Peter went back and he told them what happened. And what did the men say in Acts chapter 11 and verse 18? Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. God has granted repentance that leads to life. They didn't say, way to go, they spoke in tongues. No, tongues was just the means for for them to be able to go and to be able to spread the word of life. The whole thing is about the word of life. The whole thing is about the gospel. And now we have it moving from Jerusalem and Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth to the Gentiles. Those that were far off have received the good news and the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is you and that is me. Can we see the importance of the tongues here? It had to be. It wasn't some... Gibberish, some crazy language. It's about the saving knowledge of Jesus. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10. You see it confirmed in Acts chapter 11. You see it restated in Acts chapter 15 among the brethren. In all of these places, over and over and over and over and over. Over. It is still the same thing. It has not changed. Then you go over to Acts 19, which I want you to read. I'm not going to teach over it. I want you to read it. We'll teach over it when we get there. You go to Acts 19, and the same story follows this theme in the book of Acts. It was about what the apostles were speaking the apostles were there to authenticate what happened among the Gentiles, brought that report back to the Jews or back to the church there. And guys, we have to understand that, that what we see today in so many churches around this country and on this planet is nothing more than made-up false heresy. It is evident right here in these texts that I've given to you this morning. Clearly evident that these were actual languages that people were hearing. And it was for the furtherance of the gospel. It was done in order, just as Jesus said it would be done in order. And His will was accomplished, just as He said it would be accomplished. Peter was the spearhead, the tip of the spear for this, going to the Gentiles. And I praise God for that this morning because the Gentiles means you and me. Let's pray.